Good morning, brothers and sisters. Man, I tell you, if I let a song like Chase, I'd sprain an ankle. I mean, that's just, <laughs> guy's awesome, man. Just athletic, dude. Just let's get after it right there. That's awesome. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kendall Knight. I'm one of the evangelists here. It's just exciting to be able to close out our series on Christian apologetics. First of all, I think it's important and to be fitting to make sure that we go ahead and encourage the brothers who prepared their lessons. Uh, it was super inspiring. Uh, first of all, Jeff started us off. Of course, we're looking at 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, verse 5, that talks about, you know, being able to give a defense and be able to do it with kindness. That's sort of my paraphrase. And Jeff really set us up in a great way. We're going to kind of review that here in a second, okay, and look at that in terms of what is truth in the empty tomb. And of course, Jordan did a great job with helping us with uh, are the scriptures true? And uh, just looking at that timeline, we're going to show you that shortly. And then Kendall Albert did a great job with tension of faith, and I was really inspired by that. So let's just give those brothers a round of applause for the content and the way they helped set us up. I thought it was fantastic. I went back and listened to the messages. I mean, I went back and listened to them several times just because there were some great markers in there for me that was a confirmation of my faith and just really helped me to dive into, you know, specifically where I need to grow in my faith and be inspired and being encouraged. So I hope and pray that you are inspired and encouraged as well. So here it is right here, right? So we, we want to look at this. Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. For this purpose, I've been born. And for this, I've come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And I think as Christians and the people who follow Jesus, my, uh, this is interesting. I'm working for my work computer and the password. I got to get the password open. You believe this thing, man? You guys, come on, First Horizon, dude. I'm trying to preach the word. and You guys are trying to lock me out. This is just... Good gracious, man. I got my notes in. Jeff, I followed your lead, bro. Brought up my notes and still. Okay, amen. All right, hold on. Let me not lock myself out. Hang on a second here. Yes. Third time's a charm. There you go. Amen. Awesome. So uh, really, you know, the brothers did a great job of helping us with what is truth. And of course, what Jeff did, you know, he kind of started us off, the empty tomb. He made his argument, where's the body? Jeff's like, where's the body? What happened to the body? And then he made this profound point that I knew nothing about, you know. Again, being around for 27, 28 years, you know, in rabbinical times, the women were the first one to recognize and go out and proclaim this whole idea of Jesus and the resurrection. They were there witnessing this. And I'm like, wow, that's a great point, Jeff. That was awesome. So I just, he kind of gave us the empty tomb, okay. And then, of course, Jordan, you know, the Bible is reliable. Then he took us through this amazing timeline. Okay, which was great. And he talked about the codex, codex, right? So Jordan did a great job there. And uh, really, I'm not, I'm not preaching, but, but what was interesting, he kind of folded in the Dead Sea Scrolls. And the Dead Sea Scrolls were evidence hundreds of years before Jesus and how he talked about all the manuscripts came together, you know, 40,000 writings, three different languages, whatever he said. It was just awesome. You know, I mean, it was just great. But he did a great job. You know, that, that timeline is profound. Because I like to, being an atheist, coming from an atheistic background, it's good to be reminded of some historical evidences from that perspective. And I thought that was really fantastic. And of course, Kendall Lauber did Jesus' truth, and he did this whole idea of tension of faith. You know what I mean? And I thought that that was profound. The whole idea of Jesus, was, was, was he a liar? Was he a lunatic? Was he a legend? Or was he Lord? 
And so just understanding that there's always going to be a level of gaps there at some point. Even it's faith, right? Faith is being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you do not see. And so there's a level of us living this life not always knowing what's going to happen. And then there's this tension of, man, God, why is the Ukraine happening? God, two weeks out of the full-time ministry, why am I at the World Trade Center? I had those conversations with God. God, my one and only brother took his life. Why? Those fight for your faith. God, I've got this amazing queen. Why does she have MS? She's a singer from heaven. God, we adopted these twin boys, and they're not disciples yet. What's your plan? You know, that tension, that fight, that battle that we go through every day to stay faithful to God, we needed this apologetic series to keep our faith fresh and renewed for God's glory. Amen, church? A transformed life, evidence of truth. And so it's humbling. Jeff texts me, you know, he goes, hey, bro, you know, just could you share, just close out the series and just share about the kingdom and your transformed life. Uh, It's really humbling. You know, that's a lot. That's a heavy call because now I got to go back and I got to look inside of myself of who I was and candidly who I am without the Holy Spirit and the power of God. That right there is sobering. I had my wife pray for me this morning. Honey, please pray for me. I'm nervous because I got to reveal who I am, show who I am without God. Man, that's convicting. It's humbling. It's sobering. But it's good for me. It's good. It's good. I mean, it's good. So you can't see those scriptures. So turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Okay, you can't see that at all. It's like me without my glasses. So we're just going to look at Ephesians chapter 2. And we're, you know, I could camp out in this scripture. Jeff, I want you to know that I can camp out. Because Jeff always says, hey, bro, just go ahead and preach, you know, one passage. I just kind of want to highlight some things here. And Jeff, if it's okay with you, bro, I'm going to kind of go to a couple more. And then I'm going to stay in a passage, okay? But I just love, Jeff, I love that guy. He's teaching and training me, helping me out. So I just kind of want to say that for real, that we're going to look at a few things that are pretty intense and then move on. But I want to share this with you so you can kind of get some highlights, okay? A transformed life. Evidence of truth. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions in which you used to live. When you follow the ways of this world and of the rule of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved, and what God raised us up with Christ— and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming age he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in what kindness to us in Christ Jesus. That's why we need to defend the the gospel with kindness, because Jesus was kind to us. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
You know, it's amazing. You look at this passage, we were dead in our transgressions. Dead, absolutely dead, dead. One death, dead, okay? Period. Go to the grave, not raised again, you know, eternal wrath. I mean, that's pretty convicting, right? I mean, that's pretty convicting stuff. But what's interesting about this, we're raised with Christ in the heavenly realms. In Ephesians chapter 1, it talks about every spiritual blessing in Christ. And you're seeing some of it here. Grace, we are saved, being raised with Christ, God's handiwork. You know, it's amazing. I mentioned this in the first service. You know, there are sisters in here that are far greater than Madonna. There are brothers here that are greater than Steph Curry. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me say what I'm saying here. Listen, hear me out. Steph Curry makes $40 million to play basketball. $40 million. That's what he makes, $40 million. So that means he's pretty special. We as Christians are far greater as God's handiwork. We're far greater than that. We need to be confident of that because of how God has made us in the eternal realms. He's transformed all of our lives. And I think it's important for us to really live in that space. But I want to share with you what he's transformed me from. Galatians chapter 5, turn there. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual morality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. This verse, when I studied the Bible, was the stop sign for me. This verse right here, this one right here. Now, you might say, wow, why not the cross? Why not the word study? It was this. When I looked at this verse and the brothers studied the Bible with me, I was converted by uh, Scott Davis and, and, and a number of other brothers and queens that baptized me, helped me become a Christian. This was the passage. I've not publicly preached this passage probably in 25 years because it's a reflection of my life. The first one is. The second one is. I'm like, God, it's getting warm out here purity. Oh my gosh, I haven't arrived on this stuff. I could say, praise God, I've never been immoral to my wife. But this is the passage, debauchery. You know, it talks about just overwhelming yourself with overindulgence. I had 20 bowling balls in a sports car, just bought bowling ball after bowling ball. You know what I mean? Just, just bowling ball after bowling ball after bowling ball. I mean, this is nuts. It was crazy, man. It was just, my car is supposed to be like that. It was like this. It looked like it was taking off. I mean, the shocks, the struts, I mean, it was incredible. Sir, your struts are out because you got too many bowling balls in your car. You know, it's that kind of thing. Just crazy. You know, witchcraft, we didn't do that one, but a hatred? Yeah, absolutely. There was a lot of hate in my heart. And here's the thing, the temptation to hate, when you hear about things that, you know, in, in, in Uvalde, you hear about buffalo, you hear about those things, man, it, it can still wrestle up some hate in your heart. It can. And yet, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God keeps us away from that. You guys with me here? Selfish ambition. Oh, man, all I want to do is make money. Fits of rage. That was me. I cussed like a sailor. Bleeping this, bleeping that. Bleep, 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 bleep. I mean, they would have had to bleep me out. I, I, I prayed, God, please help me to stop cursing, being impure, and being immoral. Those were the three things that I had to fast for and pray about so that God would change my heart and life. To pray about that. 
Praise God. Haven't said a cuss word. Been on the borderline. Been on the borderline, especially with kids. Good God Almighty. Good God. You, uh, no, Jesus is Lord, my Redeemer. I'm like, praise God, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? Oh, my gosh. Good gracious. You know what I mean? Steve Atkins in an amazing community. He was sharing his personal life and just how he needed to forgive. And he was talking about one of his sons. And it was really encouraging to him share that. Totally transparent. I can completely relate. Just completely relate. I mean, just throws you out of whack. But anyway, it's just, it's just so powerful that we have the Holy Spirit that we can overcome these things. That's the beauty of our lives. That's the testimony. That's the defense. It's not some self-help thing. When we tap into the power of the Holy Spirit, God can do amazing things with us. Amen? The first point, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I want to talk about we are a new creation. We're a new creation. The Bible says that for Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. That is who you are when you become a follower resurrected of Jesus. We're new. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It's new every morning. We're renewed because of the power of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. There is a newness to us, a freshness to us every day. Outwardly we're wasting away, but inwardly we're being what? Renewed day by day. Outwardly we're being, man, we're getting old. You know, no question about it. You know, I got to be careful. I don't move too much. You know, my knee can just squeak. Something can happen with my back. You know, it's just we're getting old on the outside, but inside we should be being renewed because we're new creations. You know, it's interesting what God did with me. He shifted my paradigm. I was a, a club head in addition to that. If you don't know what a club head, that's somebody that goes and parties all weekend. So if it was a Memorial Day weekend. I'll get started on Thursday, and then I'll go, you know, then, then I'll go Friday, and then I'm just getting teed up. I mean, it's just starting out. Then I'm Saturday, and then we've got a Monday, so I'll go to, go to the club on Saturday, Sunday. It was so prolific that I had a plaque on the wall that stated I'm part of the Savage Crew. So the Savage Crew were the ones that were the regulars that were there, and they shout out, Savage Crew! I'm like, oh, that was me. That was me. Savage, ho! See y'all! Ow! You know, it's like that. It's crazy. Now, here's what the first part of the new creation. So it's like, a, it's like when you're on drugs and you've got to kind of, you know, pull back. It was like that, right? So I'm, now here's the deal. I go to work. My routine was I go to sleep. Let me take my nap. Let me get going. I got to get cranked up. Got to have a lot of energy right here. All right. So now let's get up at 11 o'clock. Let's hit the train before I have my car. You know, I say, okay, let me hit the subway at midnight. So I'm at midnight. Hitting the subway, the two train, psh, going to hit the subway. All right, 2 o'clock in the morning, 12 o'clock. I'm getting started. It closes it, say, it, there. Clubs close earlier here. Not that I've been out to one, okay? But clubs close. <laughs> <laughs> I did find out, you know, what is it? Anyway, so 
some residual impact, okay? So, but anyway, um, so club closes at 6 o'clock. So then after that, we go, we go to the club, we dance all night, then we go, we go eat. And then after we go eat, we go play basketball. So I probably get home about 10 o'clock, hit the sack, do it all over again. And so as a Christian starting to date my wife and date the sisters, I wanted to make sure I had the sisters back home by midnight. But then I was driving by Savage as a young Christian, and I'm looking at the lines, and all I can do is smell the perfume and hear the music. I'm like, oh, God, this was tough to change that paradigm. I know some of you guys may not be able to relate, but that's me. That was how the guy was trying to, even as a young Christian, that, it was a battle for a long time. And I disappeared for a period of time because I started to fall back. And there was a brother who called me and said, bro, how you doing? Because I started to slip back into my old life as a young Christian. I started to go back. I started to disappear. The impurity came back. Some of that stuff, you know, it was like rough. And then when Diana and I started working together in the ministry, what we would do is we would have to, okay, we're in the full-time ministry together. We're singles, you know. And, uh, of course, when I saw Diana the first time, I was not the most, it wasn't the most spiritual response when I saw it. This just is so spiritually bound. I said, man, she's fine. I mean, it's like, it was just straight up. You know what I mean? Joke is bad. I mean, I'm like, I was like that. I was like, wow, look at her. That was my first inclination. I said, fine, man. Well, flashback, there we go, right? Let me, let me see how she loves the Lord. You know what I mean? It's one of those. That wasn't the first part of it, but. <laughs> but here's the deal. So I had to get Diane at home at night. And I remember one time I, I, I made a little bit of a gesture on her. And we weren't, we were never, Diane is the first woman in my adult life that I was 100% pure with. The first one. Ever. But I made a little deal, something, you know, said, man, she's cute. And I kind of said, don't do that. And so, stop me. Praise God. Just cut it off. And that foundation has meant a lot for our marriage because of the purity of which it, it, it took place. You know what I mean? And, and, and I want, for those of you who may be enslaved with some of the things I showed er earlier, I want you to know that the power of the Holy Spirit, there are people sitting next to you that are just like you. They're just like you, okay? This is not some church that's high in the sky, and we're, we, we're, we're all susceptible to the world, okay? But God has pulled us out of the world because he's transformed our lives, amen? And so I think that's really, really important for us to understand that we truly are new creations. The old is gone, the new is here, and he does it with an explanation point. You are new, Corinthians. You're struggling with your worldliness. You are new, God has changed you. You're structurally and spiritually different. You're washed by the blood of Jesus. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. You're resurrected. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. You're going to heaven. There's a lot of confirmation scriptures that helps us to understand that. Amen? The second point, we're Christ's ambassadors. We're an ambassador for Christ. That's what our role is. That's our goal. That's our job. And when you think about ambassadors, he says we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his what? Appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He says we implore you as an ambassador. When you go to New York City, you have to be careful. There's all kinds of booby traps when you drive your car. I mean, you know, you just got to be careful. There's booby traps. You got to read every sign. You got to figure out where everybody is, what's legal, what's not legal, or they'll tow you. Right? Or otherwise, you need to just take your car to one of the garages and pay $60 for four hours. You know, it's kind of like that. 
And it kind of frustrates you, but you understand why when you see the diplomat spots. You know, you see the spots where all the diplomats and the ambassadors, they have spots. You can go to the UN and they can put their cards right in front of the UN building. And I'm looking at the tag. Is that a diplomat? Yep, dope. That's a diplomat. You know what I mean? And then you look, you look in another building. There's a diplomat. And there's, there's, they just put their sign in the window and there's a diplomat. And it's the same thing for us with God. God has a sign in the window. There's my ambassador. There's my special person that I see every day. And as an ambassador, we need to walk with confidence, walk with a faith that's profound, that's confident because we're representing the living Christ. And as a result, someone can change your life. I remember when I was just kind of dating this, this young lady who uh, was in the world. And uh, basically what happened was her sister, we were sitting around, they were from Trinidad, actually, and I, I would love, we're going to go to the Trinidadian group, uh, to the church here, uh, to visit them uh, in a couple of months, and gosh, I wish I can go, but praise God, my mom had cancer surgery, it was successful, and uh, the margins are all clear, um, but she needs radiation treatment, so we're going to stay around to support her for that. But I remember specifically um, studying the Bible and getting introduced to the church, and it was a young lady who was the sister of the woman I was dating. And we were all sitting around having peas and rice and some curry goat and, you know, some good stuff like that. And I noticed that I'm like, well, wait a minute, why aren't you going out tonight? Because she was a club head like me. She was a singer and she always wanted to go out and party. You know what I mean? But this particular Saturday night, she was not partying. This particular Saturday night, she was home with the family trying to introduce Christ to the family. You know, just sitting, hey, why aren't you, well, I want to tell you about this great church. It's awesome. It's great. It's called the New York City Church of Christ, the Queen's Ministry. Scott and Dion Davis lead the group. You need to come check it out. Now, mind you, I'm an atheist and a worldly guy, right? So I've got those two things going. But there was something that God used. There was a whisper through her life as an ambassador to pull me in. And I thought, amen, that's awesome. As I look back now how God was able to use that little whisper. And as a result of that whisper, her sister and I never, we got engaged, but the relationship did not work out. But her sister is a disciple of Jesus, right? Her husband is a disciple of Jesus. Her daughter, that young lady I dated, is a disciple of Jesus. She is in Moldova with the Revive team as a result of that family lineage becoming a Christian, and then God has me as a tent maker evangelist with an awesome wife in the kingdom of God. Amen. So God can work through all situations. You know, we look at the Ellicottville situation. That's like amazing ambassadorship. You know, that's right there in front of us. Just all of us are powerful ambassadors. I'm so encouraged. I saw one of the young men who I coached last year. His dad is here today. I'm like, hey, how you doing? It's so good to see you. He came to church last year, and he is here today, worshiping God with us. And so I think ambassadorship is really cool. I had a great, a great time yesterday, a couple of days, and just sharing my faith, being an ambassador for Christ. I was at the um, um, Hoboken Cafe. Uh, Mike told me about the Hoboken Cafe, okay? I don't look this way for nothing sometimes, right? Amen. So we, we were there, and it was great. I met a young lady. She's from New York City. Her aunt's from Miami, and she's looking for a church that's interracial, that she said, I live in Paulding County. I said, look, look at my website. Look at our church website. Why don't you come on out? I'm going to email this to you. I'm going to email my wife's contact information. Great. We were at a party yesterday with a Christian who left God's kingdom, and she's dating a young lady, a, a gentleman, 
right, who happens to be a great gentleman. I met him for the first time yesterday. We were all sitting around. It was sort of this Spanish sort of party theme, and you, you eat gummy bears and all that kind of stuff. It was really kind of cool, right? And drinking water and cakes, and, you know, it was just kind of cool. You know, it was just, it was a different environment. We start talking. He's from Indiana. He loves basketball. So we go, hey, man, look, I want to have a Celtics heat party. So you want to come over? I'd love for you to have you. He just texted me. I texted him this morning, confirmed he was there. He's coming tonight. I'm like, amen, that's awesome. Then I was at the BMW dealership. I bought a BMW. I should listen to a brother, not bought it. It's very expensive. But anyway, so <laughs> I was getting my tire fixed. And the guy listens to my conversation with Diane and I. We're talking about something. He turns around and says, excuse me, excuse me. I heard, overheard your conversation. We were talking about, you know, run flat tire. Excuse me, over here, your conversation. Me and this guy talked for an hour. This guy's adopted, like my children, and literally was thrown in the trash as, as a kid. As a kid, he was thrown in the trash. And so we started talking. He's like, hey, man, I want to do some things for the kids on the south side. I want to help them change and be different. I said, sure, man, love to do that. And what's so great about that, being confident as an ambassador, how God was able to use me, which is really humbling, is that the guy in the BMW dealership was black. The, the, the young lady at Hoboken Cafe was Hispanic, and her husband is white, and the guys who are coming tonight are all white. And so God in his wisdom is using all of that in his ambassadorship. Very, very inspiring. And finally, the righteousness of God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And the beauty of this passage is that many of us come from religious backgrounds, right? We come from backgrounds that are very different, but very religious backgrounds, right? But as disciples, we were exposed by someone who was new and a great ambassador, and they helped us get into a right relationship with God. That's what this passage means, the righteousness. When, when you see the word reconcile, it simply means that God knew from the very beginning, Catalogay, that we would be rebellious and that he would use Jesus to bring us into a right relationship with him. That is the point of this passage, that we were all rebellious and that God, through his wisdom, brought us into a right relationship with him. We repented. We, we studied the Bible. We repented. We got baptized. We were buried with Jesus, raised again, cleansed and washed, filled with the Holy Spirit. Now we can go out and live a transformed life. How powerful that is. And praise God, you had the courage to listen. Because it takes courage to do this. This is not for the faint of heart. I remember studying the Bible and, and, and deciding that I was going to leave the full-time, leave, um, leave the corporate America world back in, in 1994 when I got baptized. I was a textile salesman, so I sold to Macy's and Men's Warehouse and sold to all these big corporations overseas and worked with a lot of mills from all over the world and, you know, was one of the few African Americans in that business and very successful at it. And so, you know, I started in the mailroom. So my career started out in the mailroom. So I started out making 150 bucks a week in the back room as a mailroom clerk. Worked my way after 11 years into this corporate position. Do not have a college degree, okay? I do not have a college degree. Don't even know what a college course looks like. Couldn't tell you what English, just, just don't. God just, that's not the way he sent me. I remember when my dad 
said, what's wrong with you? And I was coaching football, and he thought I lost my mind. And he came down to the field and said, how dare you leave your job? As a, he was proud of me being a successful, young, professional, urban, inner-city, African-American male who's made it in corporate America. That is all that was in that. And as a result, I said, Dad, this is what I need to do. I've got to do this. I've got to become a Christian. I've got to follow Jesus. I've got to do what's right. You know, and that, I turned that $150, $150 a week job into a six-figure income in 1994. That's what, that's what happened. And as a result, I said, Dad, I can't do it. I, I've got to, this, this is my calling is to serve in the Brooklyn ministry at this time. Well, as a result, I introduced my mom to God's church. She studied the Bible five times. She's Catholic. It was hard. The sixth time, she became a disciple of Jesus in her 70s. In her 70s. In her 70s. And now she's going to church in the Gwinnett ministry. The family group takes great care of her. She's got great friends. And my mom's life is just, you're talking about my life. It was really, really challenging. Really, really challenging. And I won't expose that. She can talk to you some other time about that. But God has brought us all into a right relationship with him. He's transformed our lives. He's made a huge difference in our lives. And as a result, we are new creations. As a result, we are his ambassadors. And as a result, we're in a right relationship with him. And that's exciting. You know, I I really appreciate what Dana said to her son a couple of weeks ago when he got baptized. She said, listen, son, God's done amazing things with you. Here's what you need to understand. Take the Holy Spirit where he wants to go. Do not take him where you don't want to go. Make sure that you understand that and you'll do great. And remember those words. You're now in a right relationship with him. You've got the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I was encouraged by that. And those little things have helped me. And let's, you know, as a result, my time is over. But I hope that you guys are inspired. By a transformed life, I'm looking at the clock. I don't want Sherwin to start doing this. And Jason, you know, the Sandman comes and gets me and pulls me off the stage. I don't want any of that. But I hope that you're inspired today that you are a testament to Jesus. Your life, my life is a defense for Jesus. We're all new creations. We're all ambassadors for Christ. And we're all in a right relationship with God. And to God be the glory. And I got a few additional scriptures for study that'll be on the website talking about we're justified. We're one in Christ with all believers. We're righteous and holy. Just a lot of cool stuff in my study on this topic. I pray that you're inspired. I pray that you're encouraged. Let's go to God in a word of prayer. Let's pray for communion. Father, we thank you for the right relationship you've put us in. We're so grateful for him. We're so grateful for Jesus, the sacrifice he made. God, thank you for that empty tomb. Thank you that he rose again. Thank you for allowing Jeff to illuminate that for us. God, thank you for your holy scriptures that really helps us to understand they're all inspired by you. They're all God-breathed. They're all your word. Thank you for Lord Jordan doing that, helping us with the, all the prophetic messages and things that he showed. Thank you for Kendall Albert, God, you know, helping us understand that Jesus is not a lunatic. He's not a liar. He's not a legend, but he's Lord. And Father, we stand and sit before you knowing that is true. And God, thank you so much for the power of the Holy Spirit that, you know, you're, you're, a relationship with you, a right relationship with you is not self-help, but God, it is an eternal relationship. It's a right relationship. Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise and honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.